0: This series is called Judging God. Judging God. Oh, we can't judge God. But we'll, we judge God all the time. We judge people all the time. We make assessments about people. We define people. We put them in a categories. Turn to somebody and say, he's talking about you. And he's talking about me. Go on, say it. Because, and everyone repeat this, most of us are like the rest of us. Judging God. Last week, my message was, what's shaping your image of God? And I talked about Adam and Eve. I talked about the fact that Scripture, after they fell, says, and they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That means they recognized the sound. That means that was a regular experience for them. Adam and Eve, before the fall, had often walked in the cool of the day with God. And I had made the point last week, and uh, we're trying something because we're starting a live stream and we've cut out all the center lights, and we've got that light, but it doesn't help me read my notes. So I've just, uh, Jade got a revelation of why we still need center lights. We're trying to eliminate the shadow that a light above brings, uh, and we're trying to bring light that way. But to read my notes, i got to stand here, and I get to stand next to these really beautiful people. Never met you before. What's your name? Sam. Sam? I'm glad you're here. God bless you. These are your girls? Yes. Sam, they're beautiful girls. God bless you, ladies. And I hope that you get to know Jesus more and more and you get to know God the way he really is because he's incredible. And as good as that is, and I'm sure dad's a really good guy, God manages to top that by a lot. See? So God bless you, girls. What's your name? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. That's cool. And what's your name? Sage. Sage. I love different names. It shows the uniqueness of each person. God bless you. Give them a big hand. God bless you guys. So for the sake of being able to read, (laughs) I, I wrote here, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cooler day. They enjoyed the life he provided, but they never made the effort to get inside his head and inside his heart. They walked with Him in the cool of the day. The cool of the day is convenient as opposed to the heat of the day. They enjoyed the things He provided. They enjoyed the things God did. And you know what? That's often like our church experience. We enjoy God and we walk with Him in the cool of the day. But where are we walking when the heat of the sun's out? Where are we walking when things aren't convenient? What image of God are we seeing when things don't look great and it's not convenient? I made a comment here. If they had gotten inside of God's head and heart, they never would have believed Satan's slanderous accusations against God. By accepting the image of God that Satan was casting, they judged God wrongly and they took offense at God God was with them in the cool of the day they had as much access to him as they wanted but their failure to develop intimacy with God led them to having a false image of God and it ultimately led to their own demise and their own fall and the fall of the human race. So as a shepherd, as a pastor, it's my responsibility to take you to green green pastures and to good water. If I only want to grow the number of people attending this church, I would just preach a lot of really surface stuff and keep everyone happy don't get into controversial stuff never get you to never challenge some of the demons that want to hang around us okay Uh, because those demons might win the argument at the end of the day and you and them will leave see I'll preach that stuff because I want them to leave and I want you to stay and grow amen I believe that if a pastor really cares about the sheep, he'll go where no man has gone before. They had God in the cool of the day. They, they had as much access to him as they wanted, but they chose to just enjoy the cool of the day rather than climbing into God's heart and in his head. And if they had of, they would never would have believed the lie. And if they never believed the lie, they never would have fallen and they would have never had such a tragic demise. What am I saying? We as the church of Jesus Christ, we could enjoy God in the cool of the day. Isn't this cool when we worship? We could come and say, wow, I like that church. It's such a friendly atmosphere. And, and I think that's important. Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. People tell me all the time, wow, this place is really friendly. So important. Oh, the worship is incredible, it's awesome, so important. It really is. We can enjoy God in the cool of the day, but are we, when we leave here, going to take time during the week to have our own private worship time? Oh, there's a bit of effort to that. I got to push other things aside and I got to rearrange my schedule and I'm so busy and blah, blah, blah. That's right. Are you walking with him in the cool of the day because it's convenient and you're enjoying what he has? Are you turning your world upside down and making it inconvenient and uncomfortable so that you could break from the litany of life and have time with him and get into his heart? Because once you get into God's heart, you'll see through God's eyes. You'll hear through God's ears. You'll feel through his, under his, his feelings, and you'll understand through his understanding. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. Listen, we have access to the mind of Christ, but it's only if we get inside of his heart that we'll understand the mind of Christ. Are you hearing me? You see, I get into trouble when I see the world through my past, when I see the world through my brokenness. I get in trouble when I respond to you out of perceptions that I've perceived because you said this and it rings a bell with something that I experienced in my childhood and I make a judgment I cast it onto you and then my relationship with you ends up, my experience ends up being judged as I judged you. I end up receiving the judgment I cast onto you, and that defines the experience I have with you. And that's why Jesus said, the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged, because so often the perception we cast, what we project from our own hurts, from our own sin, from our own experiences, how we've defined and settled and analyzed the experiences we've had. We make judgments and we make conditions and we put these protective thought uh, reasonings in our head and we project that, I could project that onto Paul and, and start to relate to Paul based on my shadowy, my shadowy past and I will have an, a, an experience and a relationship with Paul based on the judgment I made on Paul, based on my past. And it will hinder and affect my relationship. I'll I'll be quite honest with you. You know what messes up marriage? Us. Everything that is in us, that hasn't been dealt with, all the hurts, all the wounds, all the fears, all the garbage that people have done to us, and we live out of that. And, uh, you know, I, I... I've had people in their old age or older age as they've matured and seasoned in life say to me you know because of this hurt and this hurt and this hurt I realized that I lived in such a way where I was trying to get back at men or get back at women or get back at a certain culture or of people. We project a lot. The enemy understands that, and so he uses that so that we project wrongly on God. Are you with me? Very quickly, um, why is this important? In uh, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a parable about the sower, and he throws seed on the ground. And I I just wanna reference it as quickly as I can. There are four types of ground that falls on. Number one, the wayside. Number two, stony ground. Number three, the thorny patch. And number four, good ground. His disciples didn't understand the parable, and so later in the chapter, he explains it to them. And But I only wanna talk about stony ground for a second. Out of all four, I'm just gonna pick stony ground because it relates to what God's trying to do here in this series. The stony ground in verse 20 of chapter 13, uh, verse 20 to 21, this is what it says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Most of you are here because you received the word of God with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while because when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles. In the King James, it says he takes offense. It's interesting in Matthew 11, two chapters before this, verse six, Jesus said, blessed is the person who doesn't take offense because of me. The enemy is going to try to cast situations in your life so that you will define God by your experience. And he will try to cast an image of God from your experience so that you get scandalized, you take offense. The Greek word there is scandalized. And, you know, when you, when you look up that word, it's pretty cool because... In the NIV, it says stumbles. In the King James, it says uh, take offense. In the Greek, what it actually says, and i got to go somewhere where I can read this. <laughs> I'm going to now have to wear a hat with, you know, those uh, LED lights, you know. Um, <laughs> otherwise, i don't have to put one on my notebook here. Uh, the, that word scandalized or to stumble comes from the Greek, and it means to be entrapped to trip up, to stumble, to be enticed to sin. It will lead to apostasy. You take offense. And the enemy wants to bring us to a place of apostasy where we fall away from the grace of God. The enemy wants us to take offense. He wants us to be entrapped. He wants to cast images of God based on things we experience in life. And he wants us to conclude wrongly and say, well, this is God's fault. That's why Jesus came and said, John 10.10, the thief, let's get the record straight. The thief is the one who comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But my Father through me has come to give you life and life more abundantly. I want you to define God through those words, life and life more abundantly. And I want you to define all the crud in your life by the title, the thief. Because God didn't come to do that stuff. The thief did. Am I being heard? In Genesis chapter... In Genesis chapter 18, um, verse 1 to 2, it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great tree of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. is interesting? Adam walked with God in the cool of the day and never got to know God. But here, even in the heat of the day, this guy, Abraham, if there's one thing he got right, He got the image of God right. And so God appears to him, and uh, it says, um, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Jehovah spoke to God and appeared to him, and he saw three men. Very interesting. Don't have time to preach it. This is the kind of stuff we cover in Bible school. When you read this in the Hebrew, Abraham starts conversing Uh, with them as one person and at times he calls them jehovah the english says lord but the hebrew says jehovah and at times he calls them adonai which means lord god master and here's these three and the word three in the hebrew when you look up the definition it says a three not one, two, three, a group of three, a triad. The trinity of God, while that word trinity is never used, God as Elohim is plural, and he's constantly revealing himself as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, who said, let us make man in our image. Join us in Bible school because year one I take great joy in really explaining who God is from the word. Okay. In verse 10 to 15 it says, I'm going to come here. (laughs) Then one of them said, I will surely return to you. One of these three, this triad said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing and if you know the story, she was barren even when she was young. Now she's elderly, okay? So she was barren, now she's past menopause. Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself. As she thought, why did she laugh? As she thought, this is why she laughed. After I'm worn out and Abraham is old, will I now have this pleasure? Sometimes in our walk with God, we have a timing that is different than God's timing. And when God's timing doesn't match up with our timing, and everybody knows, I mean, you all know, We have a complete picture of everything in life, don't we? We see everything in its totality, don't we? And we get upset because God missed the timing. I mean, if only he would consult with us, we could set him straight. He screws a lot of things up because he just doesn't understand earthly timing, you know? He's so caught up in heaven with the angels, he, things get past him. And so, because of our perception and our arrogance that we have a complete picture of everything, we totally get all the ins and outs, and this is how it should happen, and this is when it should happen, we start from a position of presumption and arrogance, and when we presume something, we make a... <clears throat> A fool out of you and me. <laughs> and out of that position of arrogance and presumptuousness, we then cast an image of God onto God. <laughs> he didn't do it when the time was right. He's going to do it now. And we start to conclude things about God, and we are judging God falsely and inaccurately from our limited knowledge. Can I get an amen? And if you can't say amen, in a second you will say amen. How many of you are parents? Give me a wave. Okay. How many have ever told your kid to do something and they said, why? And how many of you got tired of having to explain every little detail because you're the adult and you're just the little kid and you get tired of having to explain every little detail so you get to a place in that relationship where you say, because I said so. Now just do it. (laughs) Guys, God knows things we don't know. And as a parent, there are things your little kids don't know. And you don't always have time to explain everything. And as a parent, you shouldn't have to explain everything. There are some things they're not ready for. Can we take that and cast that image for a minute onto God? Because he sees what we don't see. He gets the ins and outs we don't get. And if we can believe that he really has our best interest at heart, then we're okay with the bit that he knows that we don't know. Hello? Hello? But out of our presumptuousness, we cast an image on a God. And so here's Aunt Sarah judging God. She laughs. She's scoffing. She's bitter. She's hurt. She's disappointed. <laughs> you got to be joking me, right? I mean, come on. Where are the cameras? They're setting me up. Come on, they're setting me up. Three guys that look like one show up. And Abraham's falling over himself to honor these guys. He made me cook them a meal. This is supposed to be God. And now I'm an old lady. Now I'm going to have this pleasure. I don't want to hear a crying kid at 2 a.m. in the morning now that I'm, you know, 80 years old. She has concluded about God Your timing wasn't right. Your decisions aren't right. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in you. You messed up the whole timing. And because of that, she had a negative experience and a negative attitude towards God. You know, how you judge God is how you see God. And how you see God is how you will experience God. Hang on a second. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. How we judge God is how we see God. And how we see God is how we will experience God. And that's why the Bible says don't judge. Because what you cast onto will become the cast of what's around you. And you'll live out of that judgment. Wow, I don't want to do that. Am I getting through? Yes. So, so watch this here. So Sarah laughed to herself, verse 12, as she thought. She laughed to herself because she thought, after I'm worn out my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Two chapters before this, there was a whole scenario. I'm not going to go into it. Why don't you inconvenience yourself this week And push everything else out of the way and actually inconvenience yourself and make time to get into the word and be alone with God. And how about you read the whole story? But I'm going to read one verse. Genesis 16 verse 2. Something's going on. I'll leave it as a teaser. And Sarah says to Abraham, so she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. She judged God wrongly. You know what God said in the garden? What did he say to Adam and Eve? Come on, kids. You're awesome. This is great. He created man and he said, it is good. And God's definition of good is the same as the definition of holy. This is pure. This is perfect. This is out of this world. This is phenomenal. And of course God's going to say that. He created man in his image. And then he creates a woman out of, Abraham, uh, out of Adam's side, out of his rib. And Adam then wakes up and goes, whoa, man. <laughs> and he has the first woman. And, and, and he's saying, wow, this is awesome. And God made a help meet that was suitable for Adam. Hugging an elephant wasn't quite the same as hugging Eve. Eve, uh, Sarah makes a comment here and says, God kept me from having children. Wait a minute. In the garden, God said, Whoa, this is awesome. Guys, I want you, you got authority over the birds. You have authority over the animals. You have authority over the sea life. I shared this with you last week. You know, what does that mean? We get so religious. What does it mean? If Adam had authority over the fish in the sea, the mammals in the sea, the whales, he could stand at the side of the beach. I mean, he was, he was put in charge of God's creation. He's Lord and Master on the earth. That's how Satan became Lord and Master because Adam gave Satan his title. Okay, so Adam could stand at the edge of the beach just like the last Adam did and said, throw your net on this side of the boat and you'll get fish. Adam could stand at the edge of the beach and say, hey, Flippa, bring your friends. I want you to take me for a swim. You see, our religious mind doesn't allow us to conceive stuff like that and think stuff like that, but I am absolutely convinced that's the kind of freedom and liberty that comes with God in a world that isn't fallen. Amen. And he said to them... This is awesome. I love you guys. This is great. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Go out. Be fruitful. Multiply. What is the heart of God? Go out. Be fruitful. Multiply. And what does Sarah conclude? I can't have kids. God doesn't want me to have kids. God is withholding that joy from me. Therefore, it's got to be God's fault. And while it doesn't say the enemy was sitting on her shoulder, but these are the types of things that Grave an image of God and we all think here in this western civilization I would never have graven images before God yes we do we have graven images of God that aren't Yahweh and we got to get rid of our religious gods and worship and know the one true God that's yes. Even your amens are a little quiet. So either your thinking is going deep or there will be less of you here next week. I believe there will be more of you. But what I love about the word of God is that if we dig, there's so much revelation and understanding. So you go two chapters earlier and you're seeing what's in this girl's heart and how she's thinking about God And in the recesses of her conscious understanding of this image of God, God's the one who doesn't want her to have children. So no wonder she laughs in the tent. So what did God think of her opinion? If we go back to uh, Genesis 18, verse 13, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? and say will i really have a child now that i am old is anything too hard for me the lord she laughed because she doubted god's heart he doesn't want her to have kids and he didn't do it if he could have done it at the right time so forget it you know i mean she now is locked into this mindset of god and it's wrong it's religious it comes out of her it comes out of her perceptions and her presumptions about timing. So watch this here. He says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Verse 15. Now Sarah heard this man say everything that just happened inside the tent. She knows they didn't see her. She was afraid. She came close enough to know this is God. But she's afraid. And this will tell you something about Sarah and her belief about God. She was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. Do you know she judged God wrongly again? She was afraid of him. The same God who said, I heard you laugh, but I'm still going to visit you this time next year. You know what that is? That's called grace. That's called unmerited favor. And God is saying, I'm still going to come back and visit you this time next year, even though you're judging me out of your own presumptions, out of your own hurts, out of your own disappointments, and you've written me up in the book totally wrong. I'm still going to come to you this time next year, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you the wildest dream. And God says that, and she's afraid because she has an image of God that's harsh. She has an image of God that's judgmental. She has a cast graven image of God that doesn't line up with God. And even though God's saying, I'm going to come and show you mercy and grace, even though you're, you're maligning my character, she doesn't get it. And she's afraid. And can I be bold enough to say, every one of us wear those shoes. And the whole purpose of this series... It's to change our shoes and to change the glasses we see God through. Amen. And to get inside his heart and inside of his head. Well, this ends with a really cool note. And it's this year. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, if you're reading this in the King James translation or the New King James... I love this, Hebrew 11.11, 11. this is a great passage on faith, as is Mark chapter 11, verse 11. Mark 11.11, 11. have faith in God. If you believe in God, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and if you don't doubt in your heart what you said, it will happen. Mark 11.11, Hebrews 11.11. I just gave you a little key to remember two important faith scriptures. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who promised. Hang on, we're going to break this down because there's so much right there. So let's break this down. Strength. She received strength to conceive seed. That word in the Greek, because now this is New Testament, so it's Greek, Matthew. Thank you is dunamis, and dunamis means supernatural, miraculous power. So let's go back to the verse, Matt. Through faith, because of faith, Sarah now received supernatural, miraculous power to conceive seed. Why? She was delivered. She had a child when she was past age because... She judged him faithful who promised. How we sum up God, what we believe about God, our fears, our paranoias, our judgments, our religious perceptions, the perceptions and the conclusions we come to because what my father was like, what my mother was like, what happened to me as a child, it is a judgment about the character of God. And from the Garden of Eden... The enemy has sought to get us to judge God wrongly. Jesus came to set the record straight. My Father has come to give you life and life more abundantly. And if we could redefine all of our religious experience through the definition of John 10.10, our relationship with God would start to change dramatically. Dramatically. And our experience of God will start to change dramatically. And we would automatically start to step into the supernatural of who God really is. The word judged. Let's look at the word judged in the Greek. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. That's there for you to pronounce. (laughs) Uh, Let's go to the definition. I didn't give it to you. Okay, well, the definition is. (laughs) The definition is she made an estimation, an opinion, a decision, a consideration. She made a verdict about God. We're judging people all the time. Even if I don't condemn you with my judgment, we make assessments. First time we meet people might be the color of their complexion. It might be the accent of their language. It might be their social status, their ethnic background. But we pigeonhole people all the time. It is, that's wicked. That's cruel. We judge people because they're skinny or because they're large, tall, or thin, good-looking, or in our opinion, not good-looking. And we're judging people all the time, and we cast them. And this is what the equality movement's all about. It's wrong. It's hurtful. It's painful. But we we judge people all the time, and we judge God. And I find that the the things that hurt me the most are the areas of my virtue, things where maybe I do excel, those areas, when they're misinterpreted, like I'm a person of integrity. I'm an honest person. I, I To me, it's important, okay? And when people malign me and and call me and interpret things incorrectly and see me as a liar, that hurts me more than other things. And it hurts God because he's holy. He's absolutely perfect and pure. And then we, as broken vessels, make judgments on him. So here's an interesting thing. The first time Sarah laughed, she judged God and she judged him wrong. Okay? Now, Sarah conceived supernatural ability, received supernatural ability to conceive seed. She got supernatural ability to have a miracle because she made a right judgment about God. Can I tell you something? This is going to be really good. Sarah did not get pregnant with uh, a baby because she got intimate with Abraham. Sarah got pregnant with a baby because she got intimate with God. And when we get intimate with God, we receive supernatural power. When we judge God correctly as He is, we receive supernatural power to have a miracle happen in our lives. In Genesis 21, verse 6, right after Sarah has Isaac, she has this baby. This is what it says, and I conclude with this. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. In the tent, she misjudged God and laughed at him. But in her journey, some of those graven images started to fall by the wayside, and she allowed her heart and her perception of God to change. Till finally, she could judge him who promised to be faithful. And then she didn't laugh at God, she laughed with God. And it is my prayer that we will all laugh with God. Can I have the worship team? come let's stand can't do this from start to finish in 60 minutes somewhere you got to cut out the depth of teaching or the depth of worship and when we come to church it's about god wanting to get inside of us and restructure and bring order into our lives and it's about us getting inside of God so that we see his beautiful divine order and I don't I don't make apologies how we have church a lot of people want to change the way I do church they do they uh, I, I got certain people constantly telling me what I need to do differently And I think to myself, wait a minute. Why would you go to an Italian restaurant if you want Chinese food? And why would you go to a Thai restaurant if you don't like Thai food and you want steak and potatoes? This is what God has called me to do. And this is who I am. And that's who this church is. I don't make an apology about wanting to hook you up with God so that you really see God as He is and you start having a supernatural, intimate relationship with Him. No apology. Guilty as charged. And I'm not going to be able to do that on the back of a postage stamp. Like You're too important. And your children are too important and the experience you have with God will be filtered down to your kids so if I chop and cut off the corners of your experience with God your kids are going to get gypped we already have enough of the church falling away and people taking offense at God because they don't see life from inside God's heart and through God's eyes We take offense because we've been arrogant enough to presume we know it all and we misjudge. Life isn't always kind or fair, but the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But daddy has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. Amen. And when I think about pastoring, this is what pastoring is to me. Helping, helping ordinary people that are as broken as I am get a right image of God so that we could get unbroken, so we could get healed and then go through life ruling and reigning in this life with Christ Jesus because we get God and we trust Him. So we're going to sing this song that we concluded just before I preached. We're going to sing this. And I'm going to ask you, yeah, it's 1224. If you need to go, you can. But this is part of the ministry time to us. You don't have to come out the front. I'm not going to judge you. And if you're visiting for the first time, maybe you planned something because you thought church was an hour. That's okay. No judgment. But I'm going to invite every one of you to take some of those graven images that have been carved out of God and to start pulling them out of your pockets and let them drop. And come on down the front and let's see God as God is. And let's love God for who God is. Because he doesn't hold graven images against us. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. He treats us better. And so if he won't cast an image of us that's bound in correct, accurate brokenness, but he chooses to cast an image of who we can be in Christ, then why can't we cast an image of who God really is in the first place? Can I get an amen? Come on.